Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvesan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Free Tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 291-6901. And you put a 225 in front of that. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. We certainly wish you would. We always enjoy hearing from you and all the folks around the country and all the folks around town. And around the world. And around the world. If you want to get up at a certain time or That's midnight right. or That's whatever time well, it might be where you're at. Depending on where you're located, if you're on the other side of the earth. That's it. It's going to probably have to get up fairly early in the morning or fairly <laughs> late night, one other, depending on where, where, exactly where you, are. you might be located. I see we've got a caller already. we got David online. Good morning, David. Good morning. I had a question about my 2005 Toyota Sienna with a V6. Okay. Uh, it's got 160,000 miles on it, and uh, the last timing belt was done at 88. Okay. So I was getting ready to take it in for another timing belt. Yes, sir. And wanted to ask what else I should have done while that's being done, whether it's a water pump or a tensioner or anything else. Yes, sir, Dave. That's a great question. What I normally recommend, particularly like on a Toyota, is to replace the water pump, the camshaft seals, the crankshaft seal. There's two idler pulleys. And I also change the PCV valve, the PCV valve grommet, and normally the outside belts. Because all of those are pretty much off or nearly off when you're doing that job. So you take like a camshaft seal, cost about $10 on a Toyota. But if you put the car completely back together and that seal fails subsequent to that, number one, it's going to leak all over your brand new timing belt. But even worse, it's probably about five hours labor to come back and tear the whole front of the motor down again to change it, whereas you could have been done for $10 additional while you were in there. So those are the normal items, and certainly you want to inspect anything that happens to be in the proximity, but most of the other stuff that is likely to give you any kind of problem can be easily changed later without disassembling anything. Great. That's what I need to know. Thanks All for right. your help. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we would love to have you. You know, we see that, that job a lot, mm-hmm. and we see it done wrong a lot. That's right. We'll see it come in, and it's got a new belt on it. And like you said, the cam seals are leaking. The water pump's starting to leak. Right. And you got to go back in there and tear all that stuff back apart to get to those components because all that stuff is underneath the timing belt. Right. Had a gentleman come in. It's been a couple of years now, but he had an Acura, and he had gotten a coupon from the Acura dealer saying they would do a timing belt for a very, very low price. Correct. I think it was about $250, which sounds like a heck of a deal. Uh-huh. So he goes in and has the time belt done. Well, he walks out, of course, for $600. Of course. Instead of the 250 or 300 they quoted. But the point is, about three months later, it has a whining noise. So he brings it to us this time, and I check it, and it's one of the idler pulleys, which was not replaced when they did the timing belt. Right. Now, did they lower the cost of the initial job? Yes, they did. But they did it by taking a big risk. In other words, everything is going to be risk-reward type thing. If you're willing to accept more risk, then you get more reward Mm -hmm. or more savings in this case. But in this case, he lost. Right. And there's going to be losers. (laughs) Because he had to go in, tear the entire thing back down. What was worse is that when the pulley had gone bad, it had gotten a little off-center and chafed up the brand-new belt. Sure. So – Possibly it could have been reused, but I showed it to him, and I said, man, you know, (laughs) if this belt fails, we're back in here again. It's up to you. Well, if if this belt fails, you could be in a a much more expensive repair. So we ended up doing the entire job again. So his actual cost was the initial $600 that he pretty much totally wasted. 
plus the nine hundred dollars it costs to come back and do the job right the second time. Sure. So instead of for nine hundred, uh, fifteen hundred dollars into a nine hundred dollar job, nine hundred dollar job. Correct. So it's always when you're working on an older vehicle, there's always a limit that you have to draw, else you would end up changing every single component. Sure. But the limit to me is let's change things that are very easy or very inexpensive to do now that would be very expensive to come back and do later correct you know, now let's say some cars the water pump is on the outside of the timing belt now on those if the car has a hundred thousand miles you know a water pump doesn't last forever you might want to go ahead and do the you're, water pump while you're there you're right there you got the outside belts off but if you don't want to it's not the end of the world because it's not going to be that big a deal to come back and change it later so exactly. that would be an option just depending on the person's tolerance for aggravation, if he mm-hmm. wants to have to do it later, if he wants to do it now. But when the timing belt drives the water pump, well, that's kind of throws a whole different light on it. That's sure. something that you don't want to risk because the reward is very small and the risk is very, very high. Well, to get back to the water pump, to do the timing, just put a belt on it. You're going to spend, say, let's just put the number, say, five hours. Right. Well, to get back to that water pump, it's another five hours. That's right. So, I mean, you're kind of defeating the purpose. If you did the pump with the belt, mm-hmm. your the additional cost is the, the pump. Well, the pump, basically. And, and that's really it. Same thing with, with seals. Same thing with idler pulleys. Same thing with a tensioner. Sure. Now, admittedly, every one of these has a cost. And when you start adding them up, your total ticket gets much higher. It does. Then maybe someone else would quote you. So, that's the fallacy behind trying to get prices on things when you don't know exactly what you're getting well if, if you're buying let's say you're buying a purple lady apple right you can call around and get prices on purple lady apples That's right. they should all be the same because it's a commodity sure but when you start trying to get prices on auto repair right you don't know what you're buying well there's so many corners that can be cut in other words they can put an aftermarket timing belt. sure they can put an aftermarket they can put a rebuilt water pump which cuts the price or way no back. water pump at all or no seal at all, on and on and on and on it goes. I remember when I built the building that we're in now, I didn't really ask for a price. Uh What I did, I spent a lot of time researching contractors, and I did that by calling subcontractors. And I called a bunch of sub. I called some electricians. I called some insulation guys. I called some plumbers. I called a cross-section of subcontractors and asked them one question. I said, if you were having a building built, who would you use? Right. And I got a number of different names, but one guy's name came up four times. So I said, okay, this is a guy. So I did a little bit of research on him. Sound like an honest guy. I've been in business a long time. Good reputation. So I called him. I said, build a building. Uh-huh. Now, I didn't ask for a price because had I asked for a price, is there any number of things he could do to reduce that price to sure. any, any number you want? There's, every door in our building has three hinges on it. Instead of two. Instead of two. Now, you put two hinges, it costs a little less. Sure. However, our building is 25 years old. All the doors open and close just perfectly. Exactly. He put six inches of seven-and-a-half bag mixed concrete. Now, he could have went to four bag mix, which not nearly as strong. He could have went to a four-inch slab. Right. You'd have a cracked-up slab right now. So is that really Building's in your best there. interest? Yeah. That's right. I mean, we've got 12-gauge wiring for every receptacle. We don't have any receptacle with more than about three or four on. They're all ground faulted. Right. I mean, the point is, there's any number of these things you could have deleted from that job and brought the price in. If I were bidding this job... He could have brought the price in anywhere he wanted it. That's right. That's right. None of those would have been in my best interest. That's exactly it. So I'm not saying just give carte blanche. What I'm saying is, rather than waste time comparing prices, take the time and invest it in checking out the guy who's going to do the work. Because two things really matter. Number is he one, honest? is he honest? That's right. If he's honest, then 
chances are whatever he charges is going to be perfectly honest, be fair. Be honest and fair as well. And number two, is he technically competent? Because if he's technically competent, he's honest, you're going to get a good job. Sure. And if he's not, nothing else matters. You can have all the agreements. You can call a million people. You're going to end up getting taken. That's right. Every time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's go back to our phone. I've got Steve online. Good morning, Steve. Morning. Good yes, morning. Oh, six Silverado. Mm-hmm. The other day I went to check my power steering fluid and uh, noticed a lot of the black stuff on the cap, you know, coming from okay. the belt, I'm assuming. It's got 60,000 miles on it. How long, is it time to change that serpentine belt? Uh, it's an 06 model. You it's figure if it's not been changed, man, it's 10 years old. I would say that's past time, Steve. I like to change those at about seven years without regard to mileage. Now, you got low, low mileage on your vehicle comparative to the years. But what you got to remember with rubber products, it's not so much years. Like, let's say you put 60,000 miles in one year. Well, it would still look like brand new because it breaks down over time 24-7. The rubber's deteriorating. It's starting to lose its additives and, and such as that. So, the years are more important to me than the miles. But, yes, to answer your question, I would definitely change that. Is that a, a 5.3-liter engine? No, it's a 4.8. Okay, 4.8. Yeah, basically same basic same engine. Yeah, there's two belts on that one. you got a big belt, and there's a little bitty belt down at the bottom that a lot of people miss. That's the uh, air conditioning belt. Don't forget uh, about that one because if it breaks, it'll throw the big belt off. Right, and when it comes apart, it gets in the grooves, and it actually throws the big belt. Right, so change both belts on it. And you might want to think about changing those belt tensioners also. Because that they're, tensioner's been cycling the whole time. Right. They're inexpensive. Yeah, uh, they're not a that A belt tensioner's probably less than $60 for a good one. And there's two of them on there because the tensioners do go out also. 60000 it might still be okay. We usually change them at least at 100000 But, I mean, when you got the belt off, you're right there. Yeah. Like one bolt in each tensioner is pretty easy uh-huh. to change. All right. And if I buy the power steering fluid, you got to check that. You should check it when it's hot or is it all right to check it when it's cold? There's a little bit low, but I didn't want to add it. There's add two, in it. Yeah, there's two marks on the stick. There's going to be a cold mark and a hot right. mark. You could check it either way as long as you use the mark relative to the temperature. But okay. You could be at the hot mark when it's hot and at the cold mark when it's cold. I didn't see that. All but, right. But what you're going to run into is if, you lose, if you're low on power steering fluid, you've probably got a leak somewhere. Yeah. And if it's not running out on the ground yet, it's probably running into the rack boot on the driver's side. You can kind of get underneath there and cut the, the band holding the boot to the rack and pull it back. And if uh-huh. you have power steering or fluid, fluid run out of out. that boot, that rack is shot. Yeah. Uh-huh. It started, the seals failed, and it's starting to, to leak into the boot now. You see, the, the boot is not a seal. The boot's there to keep rain and grit and grind from getting into the rack. The seal's internal to the rack. Correct. So if you got any fluid inside that boot, then the internal seal has failed. Hmm. And, and it's pretty be, common on those. Yeah, pretty common for those to go out. Not necessarily something you've got to do immediately if it's not losing a lot of fluid, but it's something to look forward to. Yeah, well, I had called your place last week sometime, mm-hmm. and I, I was supposed to get an appointment t- after Tuesday. Okay, said, good. But, all right, well, I'll see if I can get it over there. We'll sure check all right, it out. Sir. All Thanks, right. Steve. Bye-bye. 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 All right, we got to take one quick little old break, and we will be right back with more in the Automotive Hour. Travel my way, take the highway, that's the best. I get your kicks on. Hi, folks. Louis Aldezan here from Agco Automotive. This year we celebrate 40 years in business, and man, I can't believe all the calls we receive from national dignitaries. Lewis, it's the governor. I'm taking time out from my new movie to congratulate you on 40 years. I got to run, but I'll be back. Lewis, hey, I'm playing golf with an old friend, and we wanted to call and say that 40 years is quite a run. Lewis, that is absolutely splendorific. (laughs) 
Hey, Lewis, James here, 40 years. Wow, you know, there's nothing more I like than a good homegrown Louisiana success story, except, well, maybe politicking and my tigers. You're up now, you hear? Well, I'm flattered. I guess even in the world of politics, honesty and integrity are still something to value. Okay, well, maybe outside the world of politics. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for joining us Saturday morning. Spending your Saturday morning with us. We really appreciate it. And if you got a question or a comment on the show or just something that's been bugging you, give us a call. It's 291-6901. Sure, and right now is a great time to call. we got plenty of time to get your questions that's answered. Right. But if you happen not to want to talk to a live get a live answer or maybe think of something after the show goes off the air this afternoon or maybe even next week at midnight, you can always still get your questions answered. There you, go. you can go to our website. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O. There is a contact bar on each and every page. Just click the button, fill out the little form there. It gives us a little information about the vehicle we're trying to diagnose and send it on in. That's right. And the more information I have, generally, if you tell me exactly what kind of vehicle it is and how many miles are on it and all that, we know a lot of things that go wrong with certain vehicles. Like, for instance, if you tell me a Chevy pickup or a Tahoe or a Suburban, and tell me how many miles you got, I can pretty much tell you before I hear a complaint what's wrong with it, <laughs> just because we see so many of those sure. vehicles. And they, they all fail in the same mm-hmm. same way. Now, if you hit me with a vehicle that I don't work on, like a European-type car, uh-huh. we, don't, we don't service European cars, I'm going to be a little fuzzy on that because... I don't have any experience with them, and I don't maintain any service data for them. So Correct. I really, I can give you some generality, some things to check, but that's probably the best I can do on that. But when you hit us with one of the ones like some of the most of the popular Asian models, or any of the domestic models, then I'm pretty much we're pretty much to, in the in the ballpark there. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be able to know as long as you give me that little bit of information, I'll know where to go from there. Let's go back to our phone lines, James. Good morning, James. Good morning. How are you? Doing great, sir. Doing great. Great. I've got a question. I purchased a Toyota Tundra. It's the 5.7 liter. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I purchased it used. And I'm unaware if they use synthetic oil or non-synthetic oil. What year? It's 2008. 2008. Yeah. When they were changing, no, wasn't the, it? The 5.7, it should call for 0W20. Is okay. That, is that correct? Okay. Yeah, if you look on your cap, right. it should say 0W20 on that cap. And if so, that has to be synthetic. That is not right. an option. See, the 5.7 is a timing chain motor. And those timing chains require synthetic oil. That's, that's not optional. You have to use that. So hope to God they put synthetic in it. If not, the odds of you having timing chain or gear problems are pretty high. So you definitely need to go to the 0W20 motor oil. Now, the older ones that use 5W30, it was optional. It was good to you, but I'm pretty sure the 5.7s all took 0W20. You might just verify, look in your owner's manual, and look on the cap. And if it says 5W30, then it's, it's, it's optional. But if it says 0W20, then it's mandatory. Or someone, right. will, someone, someone will optionally say 5W20 instead is- of 0 20 because when they first came out, they didn't have enough of the 0 20 out there. Right. So they said, okay, you can use 520, but, but you next should- change, go to 0 20. Correct. You know? So the 020 is what should be in if that's what it says, and that is a synthetic or You're not going to find a 020 conventional type all. Okay, good deal. I was just curious if he did, because I was told that this guy may have used regular oil in it as well, yeah. because the only manual shows either or. I did check. But yeah, it probably says okay. either 520 or it's going to say or 020. 020. And like I said, that, in back in 08, when they first were coming out with the 020, they just didn't have enough of it out there, and a lot of times you couldn't find it. So what if you read the fine print, it says 
in an emergency you can use 520, but go back to 020 on next change. So, but even okay. the even okay. the 520, hopefully he used synthetic. How many mm-hmm. miles you got on it, James? 215,000. Wow. Uh, odds are he was using synthetic. Yeah. But I don't think it would have made it that far without. Okay. Well, I know these Toyota Thunders are pretty strong. I, I'm a hot shot driver, yeah. and I work with a couple of guys. One mm-hmm. of them has the exact same truck I have. Right. And he's got 400,000. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're and then pretty- they- if another one's got a 06, and he's got right at 600,000 right. on here. Yeah, as long as you are maintaining them properly. And see, hot shot driving, James, is probably the perfect yeah. mileage on a truck because you probably get in that truck and drive three, four, five hundred 500 miles at a time, which is absolute Correct. ideal conditions. A car loves that. I mean, people don't realize it's, the guy who kills a car is the one who gets in his car, goes to the grocery store, shuts it off, it sits there for a couple of hours, comes back, let go home, lets it sit there all night, maybe gets in the next day and goes somewhere. If he's put those little five, six-mile trips, that's what murders a car. That kills them. They can't stand that. Those three, four, five hundred mile in a time trips, they perfect, love that. perfect mileage. They'll run forever like that. Fantastic. Well, I appreciate the advice, sir. Okay, James. Thanks, You man. have a good day. Uh-huh. All right. Bye-bye. I two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number if you want to be part of the automotive. I would love to have you. And we've got Thomas on the line. Good morning, Thomas. Good morning. How are you? Doing great. Good sir. morning. All right. I have a two thousand three Toyota Tacoma that the air conditioner made noise for a while and then completely froze up and broke the belt. Okay. And okay. I'm gonna. I know I need to change the compressor out, but mm-hmm. want to know what other components need to be changed out at the same time. Well, Thomas, the the best thing that could have happened is that the clutch Locked seized up. up on it and not the actual compressor. Now, if, right. if that's the case, you could be in pretty good shape. You could probably replace the compressor and get by with it. And the way you're going to know this is that when you take the system apart, open the line, and there's going to be a little orifice tube in there. Take that little orifice tube out, and if it's got a black goo in it, we call that the black slime of death, or if it's got metal in it, now you're pretty much going to be into a complete system replacement. And I'm sorry, what, what kind of vehicle was it, did you tell me? 2003 Tacoma. Okay, 2003 Tacoma. At a minimum, if it's got metal in the system and it's got the black slime in it, you're going to need to change the compressor. You're going to need to change the condenser. You're going to need to change the filter dryer on it. And if any of the hoses have those little mufflers and stuff on it, you're going to need to replace that hose. Because okay. the debris will get inside of those components, and you cannot flush it out. I don't care what they tell you. I've run 25 gallons of fluid through them, and it's still got trash. If one little piece of that metal goes back through that system, you're doing the whole job over again. Right. So you're going to definitely be into changing all of those components on it. And if you got any amount of miles on it at all, I would probably belt if it's around 100,000 or more miles on it. But if you break the system, open the orifice line, look in that thing, that's going to tell you the tale. If that is perfectly clean and clear oil on it and there's no metal, then you could probably get by just changing the compressor. But okay. that's now, that's usually not the case. Now, saying the compressor instead of just a clutch. Right. I would by never the, change just a clutch. Exactly. Because but, when the clutch goes out and seizes up, it's going to tear up the neck on the compressor, and you're going to have nothing but trouble. And it's not that much difference in price, and the labor's the same. So you just soon put a compressor on exactly. it. Exactly. Okay. All righty. All right. Thank you so Thanks, much, man. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. All right, two nine one sixty nine zero one. I see all our lines are lit up. Let's see if we catch one more of these calls before the break. We got John on the line. Good morning, John. Oh, I think you cut him off. Oh, I'm sorry, John. Come well, right can't... back, and I'll put you right back at the top of the list. I'm sorry. Right, let's see. We got Ron on the line. Good morning, Ron. Yeah. Good morning, Lewis. How you doing today? Doing man? great, sir. Good morning. Look, I've been using Castrol full synthetic oil, the mm-hmm. Castrol Syntec. Yes, sir. 
I've been using it since I had my vehicle. I got about 130,000 miles on yes, it. Mm-hmm. I've got a 2001 Infiniti QX4. Mm-hmm. Would it hurt to change over to a mobile one or just stay with what I got? I mean, it's running fine. Yeah, uh, I would so, not change. I wouldn't. I, not at this point, Ron, because while both products are good, yeah. they're not necessarily compatible one with another. Uh-huh. For instance, the additives in them may be different. And right. if you change the oil at that point, you may bring on problems. I've seen it cause oil consumption and all kinds of other issues. I right. would stay with what you're using. Yeah, you went 130,000 miles right. with it with no trouble. Yeah. The Castrol, in my opinion, is not the same as the Mobile One. Castrol is not what I would call a true synthetic, even though they call it synthetic. Right. It's, it's a hydrocrack Group 4 base stock, right. reg, reg, conventional oil. But it meets the specifications, so in the United States, they're able to call it a synthetic. Now, in Europe, they can't call that synthetic because it's not a True alcohol or, or other you know, synthetic-type base material. It's a risk of oil that they've broken down and built back up. But yeah. it's still a good product, and I mean, I think the risk of changing over will be far, far greater than any reward you might get. Right, right. And also, I got, well, since I put uh, 20,000 miles on it since I had my coolant flush on it. Uh-huh. But it's been six years ago. Oh, yeah. No, you're no, way past due, man. The, the miles do don't, don't matter at all right. on that. It's years. Right. The, the first coolant service can go five years. It's three years thereafter. Gotcha. And at this point, you're doing damage to the car. Sure. Right? That coolant pH is probably be down around six and a half, and it's acidic. It's starting yeah. to attack the aluminum. So I would have that done immediately. Do you use the regular green type or the gold type or extended wear? What on that? Do you have any idea? I would have to look that particular right. car up. Whatever it calls for is what we put back right. in. We never substitute coolant types. And how long are you to take to do that? About an hour working hour time, but in the shop about two or three hours because that's the heat and cool, heat and cool a few times to get all the air out. Really? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you a lot, Luke. All right, sir. All thank right. you. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. All right. We're going to take one more quick little break. John, hold on. You'll be straight up after this break. Hi folks, Lewis Aldazan here from Agco Automotive. Our team is celebrating 40 years in business and we're getting congratulatory calls from all kinds of characters. And I do mean characters. Zoinks! You know, Lewis, me and Scoob will never forget the time that you fixed the alignment on the mystery machine. 40 years is really far out, man. <laughs> Lewis, there's a lot of lily-livered varmints out in the automotive world, but not of you. You're the best north, south, east, and west of the Pecos. Hats off to 40 years, partner. Go! 40 years is almost higher than I can count. My only complaint is that you don't give away free donuts. <sighs> donuts. Well, it seems like high-quality automotive care in this day and age is still appreciated. I just can't believe all these characters really call. Oh, well, they always say I am quite an animated guy. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Just go ahead and give us a call, 291-6901. And we've got John online. Good morning, John. Hi, guys. It's John from Toronto calling. How you doing, man? Good. Have you got a cold there, Brian? I hardly recognized your voice. Yeah, that, that's on. it. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm on the downside of one. So. <laughs> he sounds good. I should have heard him all week. Yeah. I thought he'd retired you or something. Yeah, I'll tell you. <laughs> I'm going to go, go wash my hands before I get out of here, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Don't touch that microphone. 
I told you some time back that I was uh, I had a ten year old Lincoln Zephyr that a cousin of mine had will do me. It's right. sitting in a container for like eight months and it probably hasn't been used in a year and a half. Uh-oh. And I you told me all about the gas tank right. and removing all. I won't go through that because you probably got other people lined up. But I I know I, you did go through everything I needed to do. But this cousin of mine who wanted it, and and he was a mechanic years ago, Mm -hmm. and I explained to him these things, but he still wants it, so I gave him a good price, whatever. Oh, yeah. He's got it, and he went to a place, and they said $2,500 to fix it. Guess what? They said the struts were bad. (laughs) Really? Yeah. We just went through that with my daughter's uh, GMC Acadia about two months ago. Yep. Anyway, uh, the thing that one problem he has that is the brakes are pulling, and he, they take them off, and the and the, the pucks are still good. What do you do to the rotors to get them so that they so wouldn't have to replace them, or maybe not have to replace them? Well, those rotors are so inexpensive, John. I probably wouldn't do anything with them. I'd just change them because you could probably buy those rotors aftermarket for thirty thirty five dollars a piece. It's gonna cost you probably about that to get them turned or machined or fixed. And then they're gonna be and they're gonna be thinner, thin. right? Right. They're already too thin. That's the problem. That's why they always warp. And when you turn them, they just get thinner. They're a piece of cake to change. I mean, we just, I got three brake lathes at the shop, and I don't even know when last time I used one of them. I think we used one the other day to turn a flywheel. Yeah, yeah. We just don't <laughs> oh, yeah. use them much we anymore don't. because rotors have come way down in price. The aftermarket rotors are generally pretty decent. So, I mean, it's just probably more cost-effective just to change them. They, sure. When you and turn he can them, do, and he can, sorry, yeah, he, he can do, do, do yeah, yeah, well, see, he's a mechanic, but right. he was, he's 70 now. He hasn't done it in 40 years, but I think the brakes are the same. Pretty easy, yeah. <laughs> Close. Yeah, just slip yeah. on, slip off. Yeah, no, that's very helpful. Thank you very much. Hi, John. Always nice to talk with well, you. Bye nice for now. With you. How's you the too. weather up there? Well, it's not a bad weather. Actually, got just little flakes of snow coming down today. Ah. We had we had a quite warm day just recently. It's it was out in my shirt sleeves, so it's really funny. Yeah, I see you people have been having some bad weather. Twenty degrees is what you consider warm well shirt sleeve weather, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 20, 20 Fahrenheit. To <laughs> the lake with that weather. Yeah, I know you guys are. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for calling, John. Uh, bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, good talking. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we would love to have you. Just go ahead and give us a call, try to help you out and point you in the right direction. And, you know, talking about the weather and everything, it's mm-hmm. starting to, to warm up here in our region. And That's right. Most people are getting their old getting their motor homes out that have been sitting all winter and maybe a classic car, too, that's right. wintered the, in or the garage. Just getting ready for spring break. Could be getting ready to go on a trip. A lot of people are going to be hitting the road here in the next few months. So a few things. If you noticed two of our callers earlier, they were talking about things that had gone bad on the car, and both of them had relatively low mileage. Correct. And mileage is certainly a factor on a number of things. However, what you got to remember is that age is a factor, even bigger factor on other things. Sure. It's sort of funny. Some things, time and miles are going to affect it. Some things only mileage affect it, and some things only time affect. Right. For instance, like a set of spark plugs, that's pretty much mileage only. Correct. If it's 20 years yeah. old and it's got only 20, got 20,000 miles, miles, plugs yeah. probably still look like new. Probably do. Because they hadn't fired but X number of times. But something like a belt or a radiator hose or even coolant, those are chemical reactions. They tend to break down over time. So age is a factor. Age is a much bigger fact. Every timing belt that I've ever seen break, I've never seen one break because it was over mileage, although that certainly could happen. Mm-hmm. Every one I've ever seen break is because of time. Correct. They were maybe 8, 9, 10, Ten years. years old. Some of them only had 20,000, 30,000 miles on when they broke. Some of them maybe had eighty, ninety thousand 90,000 miles and so on. But the fact is 
the miles and the time are going to affect the timing belt. It should be done whatever the manufacturer recommends. Normally between ninety and a hundred thousand. Some engines as low as sixty thousand. You just some have to check as, your owner's manual. Some as much as one twenty. Right. It just depends on the application. But almost all of them are going to require seven years. Correct. As a replacement, just because. The rubber's breaking down 24-7. It doesn't care if it's, if it's going turning. around or if it's just sitting there. It's going to still, the same factors are going to affect it. And so it's one of those things you have to watch because the time will creep up on you. It will. I know we get folks a lot of times will come in with a car and there's no evidence of timing belt having been replaced recently. And I'll ask them, have you changed? Well, yeah, yeah, I've had it changed. Okay, when was it changed? Well, it was done 30,000 miles ago. Okay, but you only got 45000 on the car, so, and it's 15 years old. Yeah. When was it done? Uh, well, they go back, check the record. It's been 10 years ago. Sure. And that is a belt that is very, very close to breaking and tearing up the engine because the 10 years is way more important than the miles are. For instance, if you could put 100,000 miles in one year, that timing belt would probably still look like brand new. Sure. Because it just hasn't aged at all. and. The miles will eventually wear it out, but they're not going to wear it out near as fast as the time is. Now, we're going to take a quick little break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about another ticking time bomb that has to do with age, or a lot more with age than most people realize. And this is something that can really get you into trouble. Exactly. Hi, folks. Louis Aldazan here from Agco Automotive. This year we celebrate 40 years in business, and man, I can't believe all the calls we receive from national dignitaries. Louis, it's the governor. I'm taking time out from my new movie to congratulate you on 40 years. I got to run, but I'll be back. Louis, hey, I'm playing golf with an old friend, and we wanted to call and say that 40 years is quite a run. Lewis, that is absolutely splendorific. <laughs> hey, Lewis, James here, 40 years. Wow, you know, there's nothing more I like than a good homegrown Louisiana success story, except, well, maybe politicking and my tigers. You up now, you hear? Well, I'm flattered. I guess even in the world of politics, honesty and integrity are still something to value. Okay, well, maybe outside the world of politics. Agco, after 40 years, it's still the place to go. Welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Go ahead and give us calls, 291-6901. And that's what Mike did. Good morning, Mike. Hey, man, how you doing? Doing uh, great. Good. I drive a uh, 2004 Pontiac Bonneville. Okay. And on my computer display, it says service. Stability system. Okay. Uh, on that car, Mike, that was sort of a rudimentary system, kind of forerunner of the traction control and stuff that we have today. And it was a fairly problematic system. When the light is on, it's sort of like your engine light for your engine. It's just saying there's a fault somewhere in that system. That system worked with the ABS system kind of in reverse. In other words, what the ABS does, it looks at all four wheels. It sees if they're turning the same speed. And if one wheel turns slightly slower than the other three, then what it's going to do is going to procedure to go in and deal with that, knowing that one wheel's locked up. What traction control does is looking at two rear wheels, and if one of those turns faster than the other, then it's going to know that we've got a slip condition going on, and so it's going to go into this little mode. Now, when the light is on, one of the sensors in the system or one of the components in the system is not working or not working properly. 
And so what you'd have to do is go in with a scan tool capable of communicating with the chassis control module. You can't get a code reader. That won't get it. You've got to go into the chassis control module, retrieve the code. That's going to tell you the area to start looking in. It's not going to tell you what's wrong. But it may say fault in left rear wheel. So you got to go in and say, okay, did a mouse chew the wire in half? Is the sensor bad? Is the tone wheel bad? Is the wheel bearing bad, causing the tone wheel to wobble? Did somebody do a brake job and get metal in that area and stick the magnet? I mean, on and on and on, any number of things it could be, probably two or 300 different things. The point is you're going to have to have a scan tool that can communicate with the chassis control module, go in, retrieve the code, and then go from there. Are you all capable of doing that? Oh, yeah, I can do yes, anything sir. on that car. Where is y'all's shop located? Well, go on the website. It's www.agcoauto.com, and that'll tell you everything you need to know about us. All right, thank you. All right, thanks, man. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour. We were talking, just pull the break, about time and how it affects the vehicle. gets to vehicles and all. Uh-huh. And one of those things we have talked about in the past, we hadn't talked about it in a while, but this is one of those things that we still see way, way, way too much. We do. And that is the tires on your car. And most, I guess, enthusiasts, people who think they know a lot about cars, they're pretty familiar with inspecting their tires and seeing how much rubber they got left on them. They may check for knots in the tread of the sidewall. They may check for cuts in the sidewall. Mm-hmm. But what they don't realize is that a tire can have plenty of tread, have no cuts in it, have no knots in it, have no bumps in it, and still be extremely dangerous. Correct. Most experts think that six years is a safe life of a tire. And if a tire is eight, nine years old, and you're putting around town with it, that's it, bad enough. It is. That's bad enough because if it blows out on you, chances are it's going to be very inconvenient and it may mess up the car. But now you take said car, give it to your teenage son to go on spring break. He's takes 70, off down 80 the miles an hour down the interstate. miles an hour. Right. Tire lets go, lose control. That could be tragic. Sure. So when you're inspecting your vehicle before you let anybody go out on the road, absolutely certain to look at the age of the tire now every tire has an age has a date on it that's right it's either on both sides or one side you may have crawl underneath the car if the tires are mounted inside out you have to look on the other side of the tire but it's sort of cryptic but the number will start with the letters dot which is department Department of Transportation. transportation the last four digits in that number will be something like 2504 okay that means the 25th week of 2004. Correct. Which, if you got a tire that old, you got a 12 year old tire, which is definitely not definitely dangerous. a safe tire. So, anything that's going to come up around 10, in other words, if it's any number, two digits, and a 10, then, then you're six years old. Yeah, you're six years old. You just start looking at replacing those tires. Even if they have full half tread, I full know, tread. It's, I know it's, it's terrible. hard to have to throw away it a is tire terrible. with a lot of rubber. But I'm telling you that people have been killed. Sure. I mean, go on the Internet. And just type in. Type in old tire. Old tire. 60 Minutes did a real nice expose a few years back. And it scared the devil out of people. And we had a rash of people coming sure. getting their old tires changed out. But I guess the fears kind well, of it's dwindled gotten, down. Yeah. That's one reason I thought we would mention it again. Now, one place where we see this a huge, huge amount, that's with motor homes. Sure. Because people who have motor homes generally don't use them every day. They normally once or twice a year they use them, so they don't put a huge amount of miles on them. Now, some do, but a lot of people do not put a lot of miles on them. 
The vehicle is 8, 9, 10 years old and probably only has 15,000 miles. Sure. It's got those great big old 10 or 12-mile oh, yeah. tires. Six of them usually. Six or eight or however many it's got. They look wonderful. They look great, and they are very expensive. They are. Now, that is a very hard sell to tell this man <laughs> or woman, hey, you have to change these tires. Exactly. But what do one of those vehicles weigh? I mean, I don't oh, know. Oh, man, I had no a idea. Lot. You got a missile heading down the interstate, huge amount of weight on it, Sure. Normally inexperienced driver, you have one of those back tires let go, and you have the recipe for a catastrophe. Exactly. So driving is not a right. Driving is a, a privilege, privilege, and with a privilege comes responsibility. And one of those responsibilities is to make sure your car or truck or RV or motorhome is safe to operate on the highway. And I know people say, well, I'll take that risk. No, wait, you can't take That's that right. risk for everybody else. For that family of four. In a little Toyota behind you, when that motorhome loses control and slaps them off the side of the road, exactly. you just can't assume that risk for them. So it's part of the responsibility of driving your car. And I have always wished that they would enforce that more. But I guess in this day and age, they got so many rules and regulations well, I mean, nobody follows anyway. I mean, it wouldn't be hard to do. You have to have in Louisiana, you have to have an inspection, inspection every year, right? So, I mean, it wouldn't be that hard to to look down at the four tires and see how old they are, right? I wish they would add something like that to it because some people are just totally unaware that that's even a problem. Uh -huh. We get cars in all the time. Another place where that happens a lot is with elderly people who do not use their cars a lot. They'll come in, and the tires look like brand new. I mean, yeah. They, just they don't might have, have 10,000 miles on That's them. right, but they're eight years old. Yeah. That's just not safe. And if that tire blows out, comes apart, the best thing you hope for is to be inconvenienced. Sure. The worst thing is you're killed in the, in the process. And, of course, the stage is in between it. It could tear up the side of your car. The old tire tread starts coming off, beats all the side of your car up. Right. I mean, on and on and on and on and on. It causes a lot of damage and all. It's just one of those things you just cannot take a chance on. And even trailer tires. Right. Trailer tires are, are big. That's another thing because the guy has a trailer. Maybe he's got a four-wheel trailer, and he tows his race car around. Or he tows something else around. He doesn't use it that much. So tires just don't wear out. That's right. But they do get old. Now, he throws whatever he's got on it, takes off on the interstate. Tire Morning tires, hot, let's go. Let's yeah, let's go. And I'm going to tell you, if you've ever been in a vehicle with a tire problem on a trailer. It, it gets scary quick. That's a wild ride. Yeah, because it's yeah. going to sling that pickup all over the road, particularly if you're towing with a two-wheel instead of a four-wheel rear vehicle. Right. You've got almost no control of that. Just a very, very, very dangerous situation. It's one of those things just kind of wanted to warn people before the summer comes. We see it more in the hot weather. We even do. Even than the cold, although it's dangerous year-round. but. Heat, when that highway gets hot. Yeah, the heat tends to, to let the tire let the glue go in the tire right. well, and they, they come a, apart. You got a ninety five degree ambient temperature and that solar energy is baking down that black asphalt. Yeah, it the, gets hot. Yeah, that, that surface temperature of that highway is probably 120, 130 degrees or more. You're probably frying egg on it. The tire is rolling along. Now, just to add to the mix, let's say it's a little underinflated. Well now it's flexing. Exactly. Which builds so that it's much building more heat. heat. Yeah, you pretty much got the perfect storm for a disaster there. Sure. So, for God's sake, check those tire ages, and no matter who tells you otherwise, do not let them say, oh, those tires are fine. They, they look good. And, well, I'll tell you what. I'll take them off and give them to you. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you put them on your car. <laughs> but, no, six years is what's considered by most experts to be the safe age of a tire. 
fact, most companies will not warranty a tire after six years. And something else that just occurred to me, buying used tires. That's right. Always, always, always check the date on a used tire. Well, I don't even like buying used tires, yeah, but I, I know there's people out there selling them. Yeah, they do. And I've walked through flea markets and seen 10, 12, 14-year-old tires for sale. Used. Exactly. Don't That's, do it. No. One reason at Agco, when we take the tires off of a car, unless the customer tells me, hey, I want to keep these tires, if they do that and it's an old tire, I'm going to write on the invoice. Exactly. A big warning in big capital letters, hey, don't use these tires on a car. Any we, other time they come we, off. We stab them. They get, a, they get holes drilled in the side right. wall right at the bead where they can't be repaired. Right. We're going to uh, destroy that tire. Just because I don't want some guy sorting through the tires. Oh, here's a good one. Yeah, and, exactly. And sell it to some unsuspecting family. And the problem is they're going to probably sell it to somebody without means. That's the reason they're buying used tires in the first place sure. is because they can lease afford a disaster. And you take that person, you put them and their family into danger. I remember years ago I was walking through a flea market just outside of Gaston, Alabama. They call it the Mountainside Flea Market. Mm-hmm. And there was a young family there, man and wife and two little children, and they were looking at some of these used tires. Right. And the guy was about ready to buy the, the things. And I just walked up to him. I said, look, mister, I said, I don't have any dog in this fight at all. Right. But let me tell you something. Those tires are 10 years old. He said, well, really? He said, what does that mean? I said, well, six years of safe life of tire. You do not want that tire, old tire. It will come apart and it will hurt you. It will hurt your family. He said, man, I appreciate it. Of course, the guy selling didn't appreciate it a whole well, lot. Well, he shouldn't have been selling them in the first place. So, In my opinion. Right. I don't see a problem there. That's right. And if you go on our site and type in the word old tire in the search bar, you're just going to bring up an article. In fact, I took a picture of those tires and the couple uh-huh. that was going to buy them. And when you put a face with the problem, it kind of makes it a little it more. It brings it a little more real. Yeah, it makes it a little more real. That tire can blow out. You could cross the center line and head on a family. And Yeah. I mean, it's just silly everybody is looking to save money and i'm right up there that. with them but that There's, is not the way to do it you don't do it by endangering your life and the lives of other people on the road exactly that's just not a chance that you can take now another thing that kind of goes along the same lines okay when you're checking those tires check the valve stems now when valve stems are manufactured they're supposed to put a chemical in them called an anti-ozonate. It keeps ozone from attacking the rubber. Uh-huh. Back several years ago, there was a bunch of valve stems that came into the United States from that China. That didn't have that. That did not have the anti-ozonate or did not have enough of it. And they would dry rot and fall apart. Sure. So even if the stems had been changed when the tires were put on, we were seeing these things fall apart at two and three years. Sure. If the valve stem comes apart, blows out of the tire that's an immediate flat tire it is a tire failure yes the tire is going to deflate and is going to be in fact a guy in florida was killed by one of those exact those things stems? and again there's a there's an article on the website just go in type in valve stem and it'll bring up an article showing you all that and hopefully most of those are out of circulation by now well, however what's gonna to happen tomorrow well being you have tire monitors now which a lot of them use the valve stem as right. a mount for the sensors. Right. It's kind of gotten away from that. We don't put as many in anymore. Right. But there still are a few vehicles out there that take a regular valve stem and the sensor is mounted on a band, particularly your Fords. Well, and Your Ford has a, a band sensor which mounts the sensor to the rim correct. instead of the valve stem. Right. So you use a regular valve stem mm-hmm. in those in that type of wheel. Well, and see, that in a way makes the problem even worse because... A lot of tire dealers, like everybody else, are trying to save money. 
So they buy valve stems in huge quantities. Uh-huh. They might buy 10,000 valve stems at a time because they can buy them much cheaper than if they buy 100 valve stems. Right. Now, when they're not using them as often because of the TPMS systems, that 10,000 valve stems may be sitting on the shelf for, for two or three years. Maybe sitting there for 20 years. Right. <laughs> Depending on how many tires they sell. So potentially you could have a big problem. And when you inspect a valve stem, you want to look at it first off. But number two, you want to take your thumb and kind of push it both ways and inspect down around the base of it. Make sure there's no cracks that open up mm-hmm. when you push it. Move because it around. Valve stems are real cheap. They and are. Even if you had to go and have all four valve stems replaced, is it really worth your life or limb or an accident to save a few bucks of having the valve stems replaced? So another one of those things you just want to check is the valve stems on the car, not just the tires. Tires are important, but the valve, valve stems, stems are, are probably equally important. They are. I'm not going to say more important, but at least well, equally, they are. They equally important. Because if, you know, like you said, one of them blows out, that is an instant deflation of that tire. That's right. There's nothing going to stop you it. You have a half-inch hole in that right. rim, and that it's air is coming right, out. Right and out. When it, when it does, that rim's going to sit on that tire and eat the sidewall out, and it's going to rip the sidewall out of apart. that tire immediately. And, I mean, generally, the tire is certainly not going to survive it, and you may or may not survive it. Exactly. One last little thing, talking about valve stems, and that is the little straighter valve inside of that stem is there for one purpose. That's to hold air in the tire while you're inflating it. Correct. That is not a permanent seal. It was never designed to be a permanent seal. The permanent seal is in the cap. Right, an O-ring in the top of the cap. That that is the permanent seal for the tire. So look at all your tires. Make sure you got caps on every one of those stems. Check the spare also. The spare as well, because that is the seal. That little valve core in there will hold air in while you're putting air in the tire. But it's not designed as a permanent seal. The cap is a permanent seal. We see them come in the shop all the time, say there's a a nail in this tire, and whoever owns it is just constantly putting air in it. They don't put the cap back on. That's right. Or the caps break or fall off. But we see several come in without the caps. There you go. So get your set of caps, put them on there, and it's going to be in your best interest. You're going to be happy you did. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, I see we got to start winding it on up and getting on out of here. I want to tell everybody how much we appreciate listening this morning and every Saturday morning. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. And go to your favorite broadcast service and give us a written rating if it's available. That's right. If you've got a written review there, that'll move us up in the rating so more people can hear us when somebody types auto repair and search for we'll come up close to the top so more people listen more people listen the longer we can do the show <laughs> hey preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry have a great weekend